Right, good morning, and it's uh, good to be together again this morning. As we look at this subject, be wise about wealth, that we'd have the alliteration rather than... But we are talking particularly... Uh, wealth comes in many forms, but we are taking, talking particularly about our financial wealth, monetary wealth, um, this morning. I once heard a pastor of a very large church in America, um, from America, say that over the years, people used to come to him with many sorts of issues, to talk to him, to seek his advice, to confess, whatever else. Many issues. He said, but the one issue that was strangely lacking, or was rarely mentioned, was the subject of money or wealth. It's that interesting, isn't it? that they had problems with many other things that they were willing to talk about, including some deep personal sexual issues and all the rest of it. And yet, one thing the people didn't seem to want to talk about was their wealth, or their money. And yet, the Bible has lots to say about it. Jesus has lots to say about it, doesn't he? Um, and it's, if you, I don't know if you've seen that sort of Bible that you can, I've seen a copy of a Bible where they've cut out everything to do with money. And there's great holes in the Bible if you do that, because there's so much in there on this subject of uh, wealth and money and whatever else. I don't know what's on your bucket list. Anybody got a bucket list here? Nobody's probably going to confess to having a bucket list. The things that you want to do before you die. Um, I, can't, I can't say I've thought about it yet. I'm sure I will start thinking about it maybe. But um, Well, here's what um, the guy in Proverbs is on his bucket list. And I don't suppose it's on too many of our bucket lists. Right? Two things I ask of you, O Lord. Do not refuse me before I die. Keep falsehood and lies far from me. That's number one. And his number two is give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Otherwise, I may have too much and disown you and say, Who's the Lord? Or I may become poor and steal and so dishonor the name of my God. That's what he was asking God. And the second one, that he wouldn't be too rich and he wouldn't be poor. Why? Because he doesn't want to disown God by trusting in his riches. But neither does he want to dishonor God by doing things to get money when, because, he, because he, he needs it, because of his lack of it. And in a sense, those two things lie at the very heart of, oh, it's lovely to see you, Trisha. I haven't seen you there. Welcome back. Uh, sorry, I shouldn't be picking on people like that, should I? Uh, right, okay. Um, so these things lie at the very heart of what we're going to be looking at this morning. And that is that when we come to the subject of wealth, one is we need to recognize our dependence on God. Our dependence should not be in our wealth. In fact, it's God who gives us the wealth that we have. And secondly, that we should want to honor God with our wealth. Those are key to what we're going to be looking at this morning. Wealth is not bad. Let's say that it right at this beginning, right? It's not a bad thing to have wealth. It's not bad in itself. And, that, and in fact, of course, as we look through the Bible, we see, that, we see that wealth is God's blessing. 
We can look at people in the Bible who God blessed in many ways, including financial wealth, right? So if we look at Abraham and David and Solomon, and, and we could have Joseph, and we could Daniel, we could go on listing them, couldn't we? People who were blessed and enjoyed fantastic wealth, as God, and that was God's blessing to them. Here's a verse from Proverbs. The blessing of the Lord brings wealth, and he adds no trouble to it. So wealth is a blessing from God, and we should see it as that. We should see that God has given us what he's provided for us. Sometimes we just think that we've done it, but actually that's not true, is it? Because without the health, without the brains, without the opportunity, without all of those other things, we would not, and that's certainly been true I know in my case that it, God has been good to me in so many ways. The blessing of the Lord brings wealth. But secondly, wealth is the reward, isn't it, from, from work. We serve a God who is a great creator. And we are made in his image. We are made to be creative. Now some of us, some of you, are far more creative than I. I don't have any creative skills in, my, in me, I don't think, whatsoever. But I know people here that are how very creative with their hands, with their, uh, you know, whether that be in terms of engineering or art or whatever else. Yeah? I wasn't even a creative accountant, so, you know, I, I was the, the boring sort of accountant. But God has made us in his image to be creative. And creative, used creation, work properly, brings reward. And that is right and proper. The Proverbs has many things to say, by, by the way, we didn't choose it as a theme, but many things to say about laziness. Yeah? Uh, that we are to work, to, we are to be diligent, we are to work hard, and we're not to be lazy. Foolish thing, fools are lazy. You know, so you get Proverbs, don't you, like this one? You lazy fool, go and look at the ant and let it teach you a thing or two. I used to, that's a sort of proverb I'd like to quote to my, or did no doubt, quote to my children at times in the past. Go and look at the ant and see how industrious they are. Um, so wealth is not bad in itself. Oh, there was another one, wasn't there? Lazy, yeah, lazy hands make a man poor, but diligent hands bring wealth. Wealth is not bad, but there are bad ways to get it. There are ways, and there are many things in Proverbs about this. Here's just quickly a few of them. Fraud. Fraud. Ill-gotten treasures are of no value. And there are many people in our society, um, we're not just talking MPs or bankers or whatever else, but people who we see are seeking to gain wealth by fraudulent means and we are to be aware of that here's another one lying lying um, a fortune made by a lying tongue is a fleeting vapor and a deadly snare and again we can think of things that have gone on in our world in our society in recent times uh, schemes that have sold people things and all the rest of it through deceit and that is a very bad way to obtain wealth. Will we tell, here's one for us, will we tell the truth even if it is not to our advantage? Put it the other way around. 
And I can remember in business, sometimes that was not always so easy. Here's the next one. Injustice. If we gain it by unjust means, better a little with righteousness than much gain with injustice, says Proverbs 16, verse 8. And we, have to conf- we should recognize on this, we might think, oh, well, this does, that doesn't apply to me. Well, in a sense, it applies to all of us because the truth is some of our wealth in this land is obtained at the expense of other people. That's the truth. Unfair trade agreements where we screw down the prices that we pay for things because we have the power as part of the EU and all the rest of it to do these things to the, to the detriment of other nations. And we could look at other things as well where it applies. How about this one then? The get-rich-quick scheme, right? Okay, T- Proverbs 28:19 says, He who works his land will have abundant food. But he, who, but he who chases fantasies will have his full f- fill of poverty. Chasing fantasies. Do you chase fantasies? Here's a fantasy. I'm not asking you to say whether you chase this particular one. Yeah? The, 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 I mean, we know, this is, we know this has funded lots of Olympic medals. But at what cost? What cost to the people who buy those tickets? And um, here's, a, here's a quote. If you buy your ticket on a Monday, you're more likely to be dead by the next Saturday than you are to win the lottery. So just remember that when you buy your ticket, that you're more likely to be dead than you are to be able to collect any winnings that you might, however unlikely, have, have won. Chasing fantasies. And uh, I'm told, according to Ladbrokes or whatever else, you're seven times more likely to be struck by lightning than you are to win the lottery. Here's one, though, that I think is a, one that we really do. You might think these don't really apply to me, right? I'm a good boy. I, I, I don't cheat. I don't lie to get rich. How about this one? Working too, working too hard. Proverbs 23.4 says, don't wear yourself out to get rich. Don't wear yourself out to get rich. Have the wisdom to show restraint. Have the wisdom to show restraint. You may have heard the, the, the quote that says, you know, not many people on their deathbed confessed to saying, I wish I'd spent more time in the office. And yet that's what they did in life. That's what they did in life. Now some people have to work hard and long hours just to make means, just to get by. But there's others of us who choose to choose working lives that we don't have to choose, don't have to do. And we do it because we're chasing after wealth or success or whatever it might be. We need to be careful, don't we, that God says about meeting our needs, but we need to be careful that we don't work too hard for our wants. And here's a real issue. In many churches, and probably applies to Abby as well, you know I have a a job to go and meet other church leaders. And I've met quite a few over the last few months. One of the common issues is this. They cannot find people to work and serve in church 
that are under 40, thereabouts. Why? Well, in some cases they recognize it's a real issue, you know, but in many cases it's because both husbands and wives are working and they're just too busy to be able to serve in church. So the people that are serving in church are the over 50s. Now we need to be aware of that. Now in some cases I'm not, I'm not making a blanket thing there. But if, church, if we're going to be the church that we want to be, then it means we have to serve. And, that, and that's not just for people like me who are paid to do it in one sense. That's for all of us. And it's a real issue, I'd say, for, for some of us. And certainly it's an issue generally within our society. Wealth is not bad, but there are bad ways to get it. Now let's move on fairly quickly. I want this morning to do what we call a SWOT analysis. SWOT analysis, strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, threats. It's a way of looking at any subject. And I want to apply that today to wealth. So how can wealth weaken us? How can wealth weaken us? Surely wealth is a strength, isn't it? It's an asset. It's not a liability, isn't it? Well, wealth can weaken us, very simply, because we put, as we've already read, we put our trust in it. The wealth of the rich is their fortified city. They imagine it an unscalable wall. All through history, people have built walls, haven't they? They've built walls around their cities. They've built walls along their borders, whether it be Hadrian's Wall or the Chinese Wall or whatever else, or even... The Berlin Wall, although I think that was more to keep people in than to stop people get, people keep people in, not, not to stop people getting in. And when I was a child, this wall was there, and you couldn't cross it. I've got my brother, I remember my brother bringing pictures home of people who were shot and were hanging dead on the wall because they tried to escape. Many, many lost lives trying to get out, out of that wall. And probably we th- as a child and as a teenager, when I thought this was always going to be there. It was unscalable, wasn't it? Well, it wasn't. And there they are, pulling it down, not too many years later. And wealth can be like that. We think it's our defense. We think we're okay. You know, a bit like Jesus told the story, didn't he, of the the guy who had a fantastic harvest. And he... he, uh, he said, what shall I do? He said, I know what I'll do. I'll, my barns aren't big enough. I'll build bigger barns. And then I'll be able to enjoy my wealth for the rest of my days. And that man with a great big smile on didn't have a smile the day later because he was dead. Because Jesus said in the story, you fool. You fool. You put your trust in this. And at the end of the day, this cannot buy you health. Or life. And that's what he did. How can wealth weaken us? Because we put our trust in it. What about this then? Yes, we put our trust in it and not in God. How can wealth threaten us? How can wealth threaten us? Well, I'm just going to, it could threaten us in various ways. We're used, aren't we, to government health warnings? Uh, particularly on things, no, on lots of foods, but particularly on things like cigarettes. There's a, not a particularly nice picture saying you might get gangrene and your toes might drop off if you smoke. So, um, and of course, they even says now things like it can kill you, doesn't it? 
things can threaten us, and wealth can also threaten us. Better a little with the fear of the Lord than great wealth with turmoil. Here's the way that really wealth threatens us, and it's what Jesus says. Jesus said, you cannot serve both God and money. Do do we understand that? Very simple words. He's saying you can't serve both God and money. You will choose between those two things. Now, in the older versions of the Bible, of course, it didn't say God and money. It said God and mammon. Mammon. And mammon was a god, a pagan god. This is a depiction of mammon. He was the faceless god. You couldn't see what he looked like. But he was a pagan god. And this is a, 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 a painting of how mammon was conceived in medieval times. There he is with his bag of gold. And, but I once heard Derek Burnside talk about the pagan god mammon. And he said two things that stuck with me. He said... He's a pagan god, and like all pagan gods, two things are true. Two things are true. One is that he he does not deliver what he promises. He does not deliver what he promises. He promises you happiness and contentment and all those other things, and yet he fails to deliver on them like all other pagan gods. And secondly, he demands sacrifice. He demands sacrifice. And so people in pursuit of mammon, the god mammon, in pursuit of money, will sacrifice things like their integrity. They'll sacrifice their health. They'll sacrifice their families. They'll sacrifice many things to try and gain mammon. And Jesus says you can't serve both God and money. And as we read in 1 Timothy, the love of money can ruin you. Ruin you. Ruin your life. And worse. So, it's a real, weakens us. It's a real can threaten us. Jesus says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I used to think that that meant that if you, and this is true, that if you looked at someone's treasures, right, so if you looked at somebody who'd got their beautiful house, or someone who got Ferrari parked in the gap, mind you, a guy in Gloucestershire lost his Ferrari worth £400,000 last week, didn't he? Um, but you'd, you'd say, you'd look at their things and you'd say, oh, well, that's obviously where their treasure is, right? And that was probably is true, you know, so you look at my fishing rods or whatever else. But that's not what the verse, that's not what Jesus said, didn't he? Jesus said, is where your treasure is, there your heart will be. What Jesus was saying is that your heart follows after your treasure as well. So if you want to tr- your heart to be in the right place, Start treasuring those things that will lead your heart in the right direction. If you want to treasure relationships with people, for instance, if you want to treasure you know, uh, building those relationships, then invest in that, even if perhaps you don't particularly feel like it, and your heart will follow. I think that's what Jesus was saying. Okay, well, there are finally, there are strengths, so we'll put these together. There are strengths and there are opportunities of wealth as well. 
So there are some things that can weaken us, there's things that can threaten us. Here's a few strengths as well. Firstly, it can provide for your family. A good man leaves an inheritance for, their, for his children's children. It's not just talking, I'm sure, about wealth, but how we can provide for our children and, they inter- and beyond that to future generations. Wealth enables us to do that. It enables us to be kind to our neighbors, and there are quite a few verses in Proverbs that, that we could look at that say that. How about this one? To be generous and to refresh others. It's interesting that, that nearly every time in, in Proverbs where it talks about giving, it talks about blessing. That there's a connection between giving and receiving blessing. Giving blessing to others, but also receiving blessing. Here's a, Proverbs has much to say about this last one that wealth can help the poor. A generous man will himself be blessed, for he shares his food with the poor. Here's somebody that we perhaps think of as helping the poor, Mother Teresa. But it isn't just for Mother Teresa to help the poor. Here's a wonderful promise here. He who is kind to the poor, lends to the Lord. And he will reward him for what he has done. Hear that? That as we give to the poor, we might think I'm giving to, to this person who needs it, but actually the transaction is with somebody else. The transaction is with God himself. And we haven't given to him, we've just lent. And he's going to give it back. A hundred times over if we take what he said to Peter in the New Testament. And he will reward him for what he has done. That's a fantastic promise, isn't it, that we want to hold on to. I just want you to imagine. I want you to imagine that in the life to come, because we believe in a life to come, don't we? This isn't the only life. This is the short bit. There's a life to come that's a lot bigger than this one, in every sense of the word. In the life to come, I just want you to imagine that that somebody comes up to you and they says, Hi. Big smile on their face. Hi. And uh, you say, I'm not sure I know you. I mean, I recognize lots of other people here. I recognize lots of people from Abbey Church here, but I don't know you, do I? And they say, no, you don't know me, but you're actually... You're part of why I'm here. Well, Jesus actually is the real reason why I'm here, but you're actually, you're a part of this. And you say, really? And they say, yeah. You see, uh, do you remember when you, when you were uh, living in Gloucester, do you remember how you chose to sponsor a child in Africa? And how you provided money for that child to have an education? And you might not know, but that child went to a school. A Christian school. And, and in that school, that child heard about Jesus Christ and gave his life to Jesus Christ. And that's you? No, no, it's not, that's not me. That was my grandfather. But through my grandfather, my family, and now us future generations became Christians. You see, and you were part of that. You gave some money that was part of that process. 
Well, I heard of somebody recently who didn't have to wait, not, not so recently, who didn't have to wait to have that conversation in heaven. One day, a guy came and knocked on his front door, and he opened the door, and there's a little Indian guy <laughs> standing on his door with a suitcase. And uh, the Indian chap said, you don't know me, do you? And the guy said, I don't. He said, well, actually, you, you, you should, because you sponsored me in India. And uh, he said, you know what, and that's the, basically the story. I've become a Christian. My family are all Christians. I've now come to the UK, and I've brought you this little suitcase as a gift from me and my family. And uh, it was a, a tea set, <laughs> very appropriate from India, a tea set. Because he said, I want to thank you for what you've done. Wealth can be used as a great blessing to, to others, isn't it? And we should not forget that. I want us with closing, we are going to finish now. This is the word, this is the passage that Roger read to us from the New Testament at the beginning of our time this morning. And in it, we're not going to expand it, but there are many things, many wonderful things within these words, which, some of which we've touched on this morning. But we're going to, I'm going to read it again now. And as we read it, I want you to be listening, not to me, but I want you to listen to what God would say to each one of us that might connect him with what's already been said, or it may be something fresh. But just look at these words. This is what Paul taught to Timothy, and that Paul was to teach to others right back then. Yet true godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. After all, we brought nothing with us when we came into the world, and we can't take anything with us when we leave it. So if we have enough food and clothing, let's be content. But people who long to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people craving money, have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. Teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to put their trust in their money, which is so unreliable. Their trust should be in God, who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. Tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. And by doing this, they will be storing up their treasure as a good foundation for the future so that they may experience true life. Let's be wise about wealth, shall we?